Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. According to the United Nations, desertification caused by climate change affects a third of Earth's land surface. This is a growing problem for the 250 million people directly impacted by the degradation of formerly fertile land. Wissal Ben Musa, co-founder and chief agricultural officer of Sand to Green, says that this Moroccan startup can transform a patch of desert into a sustainable and profitable plantation in five years. And the firm's technology can be deployed anywhere there is a source of brackish water, which Sand to Green desalinates using solar-powered technology. In today's Sustainable Finance podcast episode, we will unpack some of the opportunities that Sand to Green offers for investors interested in sustainable and profitable agricultural ventures. Hello, Wissal, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Paul, for having me. We're really excited about hearing from you today, and we're going to jump right into the questions and begin our discussion by talking about what inspired the idea of using agroforestry techniques and solar desalination in desert regions. Thank you for this question, Paul. But the idea of Santo Green was merely driven by, um, let's say, the pressing need to address global food demands while mitigating environmental degradation. Um, I come from the south. Uh, of Morocco, and I've seen how the landscape has been changing those last years. When I say last year, last 15, 20 years, uh, I've seen farms uh, stopping their activity because of the environmental degradation. So we want to recognize the potential of the desertic regions, uh, which are largely unutilized due to the water scarcity that we're having today. But at the same time, those regions, they, they hold a huge community. They hold cities, they hold rural areas. Uh, so this is what Santo Green has envisioned. We are envisioning using um, some sort of uh, water uh, uh, efficient agriculture, uh, using solar desalination in our case to provide water, but also to regenerate and restore uh, those lands. And that would enable us to transform those Iris land back into productive and agricultural zone. We were also a lot inspired by what the ancestral ecosystem that exists already in arid areas. And this ecosystem is what we call oasis. So basically an oasis is this area that is made fertile by a source of fresh water and that is managed by humans uh, in dry and arid regions. Uh, and this was our main inspiration. With uh, the global warming that is happening, the only ecosystem that is still thriving in the desert, thriving uh, with life, thriving with food production, uh, are oases. So what we're doing is we're, uh, we created a concept around agroforestry to recreate neo-oases that are productive 
and that generates economic and environmental, but also social values. Okay, good. So the work does contribute to combating climate change as and data for, excuse me, and data desertification as well. That's a hard word for me to say. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so how is Santa Green's work part of that whole process? Well, Santa Green projects they directly address climate change and desertification uh, by basically. I mean, first, sequestering uh, carbon through agroforestry and also reducing deforestation pressures. Uh, the restoration and the regeneration of arid land not only capture carbon, but also help in reversing desertification and improving local environment and biodiversity um, by improving soil quality, reintroducing vegetation, which in turn helps in restoring the local ecosystem implementing agroforestry and uh, regenerative agriculture principle will help us convert, you know, carbon dioxide into biomass, thus mitigating climate change, but will help us also place a, a heavy focus on soil and, and soil regeneration and rehabilitation. I just wanna um, add a little maybe definition of the founding principle of Santa Green, uh, which is the regenerative agriculture, which is an approach that for us goes beyond sustainability. Regenerative agriculture is, I like to define it as a system of farming, of course. Uh, it's a different principle and practices, but with the one goal to regenerate and enhance an entire ecosystem. In our um, in, in our case, an ecosystem in arid areas. But the main difference between this approach and uh, let's say a more mainstream agricultural approach is by placing a heavy premium on soil health with attention to water management. So it's basically, it's about creating that uh, holistic closed loop system that is self-sufficient and capable of restoring rather than depleting the land's resources. So that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So it sounds like your model can be scaled and replicated in other desert regions around the world. Is that right? Yes, and that is the goal. The model can be scaled, can be replicated, uh, because the approach uh, it, combine, it combines local environment conditions, arid local environment conditions, with sustainable uh, regenerative agriculture or agroforestry uh, practices, but also solar power desalination technologies, while making it adaptable to various desert regions. Of course, the model scalability lies in its um, adaptability to different kinds of desert. There's, there's not one arid environment. It depends on the geography. It depends on also the, the the water scarcity of the region, on rainfall, etc. So potential for replication exists in many many arid regions across the globe, and our model is, let's say, specialized where there is water scarcity and where is a very extreme, let's say, climatic uh, climatic uh, situations. Uh, for example, where we are today in the uh, Gulmim region, which is the south of Morocco, it's a known arid region, semi-arid region, let's say. But with the climate change, we've seen less and less rainfall. 
I mean, at the beginning, it was a region with, let's say, not more than uh, 300, 400 millimeters a year. Today, we are, uh, we are less, we are having less than 60 millimeters a year. So, Rainfall is really, you know, extreme rainfall uh, uh, condition. We're talking also about wind. Desertic areas are really def defined in, in, in some places by, by heavy winds. Today, we have extreme heavy winds that can go up to 90 kilometers an hour uh, that are very hot, going up to 45 to 50 uh, degrees, etc. So those rather uh, extreme climatic conditions we have uh, a design that can withstand this and create uh, an ecosystem that can be resilient and adaptive. So lack of rainfall, and I, I hadn't even thought about the other one, the, the, the wind aspect of winds, heavy winds uh, on, a, I guess, uh, at least a periodic basis in desert regions. Those are big challenges for implementing your projects in those environments. Any others that you would like to mention? Well, uh, we are not in lack of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Have plenty to go around, huh? <laughs> A lot of our, uh, when we started the Center Green uh, uh, project, a lot of the um, people around us were pretty much calling us crazy. And like we are having a hard time adapting to climate change in, let's say, normal regions where there is a bit of rainfall already and and where the, the climatic conditions are not that extreme. But you guys are going into desertic areas, which would now global uh, warming are very uh, challenging uh, part of the world. Uh, so yeah, major challenges would maybe uh, include, as we said, uh, managing water scarcity and water management. We have to ensure that we have a sustainable, consistent water supply. And this is why we chose uh, uh, to have that through solar desalination. So it's a key challenge today. But not only solar desalination, water management, solar desalination, sorry, is one part of managing water. This, the other parts of managing the water scarcity is first to uh, select plants that do not need a lot of water. Uh, select a mix of plants that together would not need that much water and be uh, resilient to to, uh, to that. Uh, the second part is what we call water uh, harvesting. So based on the geography where our plantation would be, we would implement a water design. Uh, so that would differ from place to place if there is mountain if there is a slope if we have a river a dry river going coming uh, i mean near the plantation etc one one other uh, challenge would be uh uh soil regeneration so by soil regeneration uh, i'm talking about soils that have been depleted by years and years of of uh, water runoff, uh, soils that have small to no uh, organic matter in it. So soil regeneration, as I said, soil is one of the focus in regenerative agriculture. When you have a soil that is uh, alive, full of life, microorganisms uh, that create synergies with, with the plant, and you put the right plants and you have the right entrant into your soil, you put the right organic matter, you put the right mix, of microorganisms that could boost your soil life, 
you have a, a better soil to withstand uh, whatever the ecosystem would have. So soil regeneration is one of the challenges. And then there's also some that I, I wouldn't call like nature-based challenges, but those are, may, are, are more of a logistical uh, uh, challenges where basically in remote desert locations, sometimes it has difficulties in getting people there, transporting material, accessing resources, etc. And uh, one of our main challenges that I think we cracked, uh, it's the economic sustainability. So we had a challenge to balance the high initial investment. We have desalination, we, we, we have trees, we have, uh, you know, um, soil regeneration system, etc. So we have to balance that high initial investment in infrastructure with long-term prof profitability. So that was one crucial challenge to crack. Well, good luck with that one for sure. And you did mention a moment ago that sometimes the reactions you get from local communities of people near where you're setting up a project, um, um, they're kind of wondering how you expect or how it's expected to work. What's the, what are the social impacts of your projects on local communities where you're setting them up? Well, one of our first drivers uh, was the local communities. Um, as I said, I'm from the the, the, the Gulmim region. I grew up there. And before starting uh, the Santa Green, I used to work with the local villagers, you know, the local farmers. I want to share one phrase that one, vill one, one farmer told me once, and I think that was my main driver, and it is still. He told me that... They do everything they know how to do. They do everything, all the practices that uh, their ancestor did, but it's not working anymore. So the issue here is not on, I mean, there's a lot of issues with rural area, exodus, uh, uh, the lack of, of, of training, etc. But the main thing here is that we have some farmers that still want to farm, but they just don't know how because things change too much. The, 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 the ecosystem is changing drastically and quickly and they do not have the means to, to adapt and to be resilient in, in, in the face of this change. So uh, we created Santa Green around this. We want to have a social impact on local communities. How is that uh, uh, going to be made? So we want first, uh, of course, creating employment opportunities, but also uh, educating and empowering local population in sustainable agricultural practices. Uh, so the idea is to, to have a hands-on experience, uh, skill building among the local population that would lead them to, to, to long-term socioeconomic benefits. This is the first uh, skill development thing. The second would be that we will integrate whatever crops they are uh, cultivating in their land into our commercial uh, circuit. That is also that that is the, the thing for food, but also for 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 carbon uh, credits. Uh, there's also one social impact that is maybe a more broad, and that would be linked to food security. We uh, local food security. We are producing agricultural goods locally. 
so by doing that, our projects, they would contribute to the food supply in the region. We made sure that uh, all the crops that were cultivated on our uh, plantation are local crops crops known by the local crops uh, that are meant for the local market. So we're given the, we're, we're enhancing food security, yes, but we're also for now giving the communities uh, the choice, the choice to, to, to buy local, to buy from a, a carbon neutral uh, source of food also. That's really fascinating. So now you're working with the local communities, you're training them, you're offering them education programs. And you're also using um, new agricultural techniques uh, that are supported by technologies that are being developed all the time. What kind of technological innovations has Santa Green been developing or utilizing in its projects? Well, when it comes to uh, technology, uh, Santo Green developed one of our, uh, you know, our our, our pride uh, today is that we developed a kind of a specialized software platform for agroforestry management in Arizona. We are incorporating in this data from satellite, ground so uh, data from ground source, uh, and that would help uh, to uh, manage plantation efficiently. Uh, this. Um, comprehensive software platform uh it can be used of course by us to scale up our plantation to 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 bigger and bigger uh, scale but it also can be used by farmers uh that have like one hectare less than one hectare and that don't know where to start uh, farmers around us you know local communities as i said we 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 will be offered specialized training in desert agriculture agroforestry but there are people around the world in desertic areas that want to implement agroforestry and that are interested with with uh the the i, I won't say i won't call that technology because it's a kind of a it's a nature-based solution it's not based on tech I mean, it's based on the beautiful tech nature can have, which is not tech. Uh, so it, we, it is the software, but it is also uh, the whole, um, the, the whole, the different breaks of practices, of, of regenerative practices that we put together. So basically, I like to say that we did not create anything from scratch. We were inspired by Oasis, which are the best agroforestry system in, in, uh, in arid areas. We were inspired by how nature can be resilient. We were inspired by, by the, 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 the strength and, and all the ecosystemic positive uh, synergies that are created by trees, etc. So what we did is that we took all those beautiful things from nature and from tech with desalination with with and we put all those together in a very comprehensive and simple manner okay and now we've we're at the point where we want to ask you how about the economic viability of transforming deserts into arable land how is that how is that working with uh, the interface also with the local populations well um Economic viability is achieved through a combination of agricultural production, 
from the trees, but not only the trees. We have in an agroforestry system, we have trees, we have intercroppings, we have undercropping. So all this would uh, would enable the farmers uh, or us if we are the asset managers, but also uh, a farmer if a farmer is using our methodology. Let's say uh, it will. Um, uh, give an agriculture stream of agricultural production throughout the year. There's also carbon credit uh, generation, uh, and uh, the integration of these two revenue stream, along with efficient resource management, would ensure a profitability uh, in, in in those uh, projects. Uh, so when I say Efficient resource management, it's about efficient management of water, of energy, that would play a huge role in maintaining profitability. This is why I'm saying that desalination is a, a, a technology that we're using, but it's not a solution. Desalination is never a solution on its own. It's part of the solution. If I desalinate uh, tons and tons of water and use them in, let's say, a mainstream agriculture, this is not a solution. I'm using too much water and my agriculture is not regenerating anything. I don't have a boost in biodiversity. My soil is not good enough. By some years, I would deplete that soil as we did with so many uh, thousands and thousands of hectares somewhere else. So desalination on itself is not in, in uh, the, the solution. The solution is that mix between is how I use the, was, the water that I desalinate. Where do I use it? So actually in our um, tests and our experimentation and even in our first plantations, uh, we observe that we use less and less water uh, year after year. And that is efficient resource management. And this, as I said, would uh, play a very, very important role in maintaining profitability and sustainability. That's terrific to hear that uh, that's good news uh, for everybody you're working with, I'm sure, in all the locations. Tell us about your future plans for expansion and um, any partnerships or collaborations that are pivotal right now to the future success of Santa Green. Yes, yes, this is a very cool question because we're very excited about all our our partnership. We in our future plans, we um, we want to uh, sc scale up to larger plantations and larger areas. We want to replicate the model in other regions. We're into discussion with um, other regions in Morocco, but also in uh, countries. Uh, uh, like um, Egypt, the south of Spain, uh, um, Saudi Arabia, uh, etc. When it comes uh, to R&D, uh, we have a beautiful collab collaboration with academics uh, like uh, AgroParisTech in France. Um, we have a program on soil health that we are uh, developing with uh, with CIRAD, which is a, an agricultural uh, research institute uh, here in Europe. Uh, we also are doing one of my best, my favorite programs, which is a collaboration with um, Mascara Osmosan, uh, which is our desalination partner, and with UMCSP, which is a, a big university in Morocco and Europe, and uh, with some experts, many experts, some, one of them are the SALT doctors, love the name, love the work 
<laughs> what, we, what we're doing with, uh, in this program is that we're creating um, outlets for uh, brine management. So as we we all know, when we uh, desalinate, I mean, half of the water is fresh water, but half of the water is brine water. Uh, so what do we do with this brine? That is the biggest environmental and ecological uh, uh, question when it comes to, to desalination. So we are developing uh, agriculture, agricultural design to use that brine uh, into added value produce in desertic areas using halophytes, uh, um, um, following the, the water cycle, the salt cycle. It's really exciting. So we... Uh, our collaboration are really in, important for us to 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 grow and to 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 always be on top of the 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 on top of the field. Regenerative agriculture is is fairly new. Uh, there is always always some some new uh, uh, studies, new technique, new. Uh, sometimes we 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 find new uh, um, microorganisms that can be better uh, in, in, in challenging soil uh, than what we're using today. Sometimes it's a new green manure and a new crop that is more resilient, etc. So yes, a lot of expansion plans and a lot of R&D plans. That's terrific. You're the first podcast guest in a couple of years that has used uh, the, the, the word halophytes, where those are plants that live in salt water, right? Or can live in salt yes. water and also can be part of the food source for human beings. Well, that's well, terrific. Any, um, and just uh, any last thoughts on any of that before we say goodbye to our guests, for, to you and to our, uh, our listeners? I always like to end on a, on a very positive note. Um, we're in a we're 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 living in a very uh, difficult era when it comes to to agriculture. Global warming is really uh, eating up uh, small uh, smallhold farmers, and we all know that ninety uh, percent of the food in Africa is is produced by smallhold farmers that are that have lands that are less than five hectares. So, for me. I believe that the future of Africa of agriculture in general lies in alternative methods. I think that one of our responsibilities as green farmers today is to uh, create those neo oases. Yes, this is what we do with Santo Green, but it's also to show that we need new farmers. We need a modern farmer. The modern farmer for me is uh, a responsible individual that is aware of the impact of their action. They're capable of adapting their method to the nature of their soil and the constraints of their ecosystem. And they have an approach that is agile and they have a long-term motivation because financial balance in this kind of endeavor can only be achieved over time. And we've been telling that to our investors since day one, <laughs> because when you invest in NBS, in nature-based solution, well, you need time. I mean, the final gain goes beyond mere accounting. It's the regeneration of life. So uh, my, my, my dream for agriculture is that we, we keep alive this thread of life 
for me, a product of agroecology is above all a product coming from a living thread, a thread that should not be cut. A living soil produces living products that benefit living beings who forms living territories. So I think that the, the, the future of humanity is kind of tied to this thread. And I, I just want us all to understand that this is essential and that we should work with nature and with, with this thread to, to, to recreate a, a better sustainable future for agriculture because we are ever growing and we need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly do. <laughs> so with saw where online can our listeners and followers learn more about Sand Green's work in using agroforestry techniques in desert regions? And how can our followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast contact you with questions about the topics that we've discussed in today's episode? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for everyone who is listening and who wants to follow up on our journey. We can, uh, you can follow us uh, on, I mean, uh, social media. We are present on LinkedIn and we have a, um, a website where you could add your email and you'll be a part of our newsletter when we try to be super positive and tell you about all the cool things that we're doing uh, on the soil, with biodiversity, and with our community. Yes, please do send us a link to your newsletter, yes. and we will add that to the program uh, when we when we get when we get ready to drop it. And thanks again, Wasal Ben Musa of Sand to Green, and to our followers. Join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Mm-hmm.